Good afternoon and a very happy new year to you all. I do hope you've all recovered from the festivities and the last couple of weeks. January. Ah, January. A time for new beginnings, a new year, and for me, a new microphone. Yes, huge apologies. This episode was promised to you yesterday, January the 1st of 2019, but I dropped my microphone on the concrete and broke it. Our podcast, our podcast I should say, sounded like a Dalek invasion. Not good, I can tell you. And nowhere was open to buy another one. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Hence, we meet again today, January the 2nd of 2019. And so, of course, a very warm welcome to Series 2 of our podcast brought to you by Equine Devil's Advocate. This series will have more stories, but we are going to delve deeper into the diversity of the world of horses. So to that end, without further ado, we are jumping back in the timeline, away from Exmoor and back to childhood. What happened post Tutankhamun? Well, actually, an awful lot. So let us begin. This is a subject ever open for discussion, the selling of horses and ponies. I had not foreseen this or even thought about it as a reality. I personally was more of the mind that new ones came and none left. I thought this rather idyllic, just more and more and more horses, all different, all exciting and so much riding to be done. A proper Peter Pan world, no concept of the straining bank account that propped this world up and kept everything afloat. No, you just went to a hole in the wall and out came the notes. What could be more simple? Would that it were that simple. Now, this scenario, more often than not, revolves around another fact of life. The fact that children grow. I am, at this point in the story, now twelve, and my legs had got longer. I was taller, but my beautiful golden pony, sadly, was not. The inevitable happened. One needs to move up a size or two. You see, it's not just the legs that get longer. It's one's body that also gets taller. And this truly does, and can, create a problem. Even if one doesn't weigh significantly much more, this process works one way and one way only. You are just going to get bigger and your pony is not. How is this such a big problem, you ask? Lots of ponies carry adults if they're not too heavy. Yes, that's true, but it very much depends on what one is doing with said pony. And let's face it, 12-2 is not very big. You see, you start with your legs in a certain placement, and in front of you is the neck, upon which is set the head. And hopefully, under normal circumstances, that is all clearly visible in front of you. Over time, the length of one's stirrups drops, but also the corresponding length 
of your body now is longer than the neck of said pony, and the whole balance changes for jumping in particular. It's a process that sneaks up on you. Then suddenly, one day, you become aware that in the moment of takeoff and fold, one's chin is now above the pony's pole, and now there are no sides against which to put one's leg. There is now just air where once there was pony. Of course, the immediate answer seems to be. Pull your stirrups up a couple of holes, but then, where is your knee? You find it over the shoulder of the pony. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear! Formaldehyde will not help at this point. And of course, it is true to say this exact thing happened to me and my beloved Tutankhamun. We had progressed so much from our ghastly beginning. Two more faultless pony club camps. Gymkhana games, jumping competitions, fancy dress, Christmas shows, and endless amounts of free ranging. Not at any point did I even remotely think of us as parting ways. <gasps> of course, in fairness to parents, this must be probably equally difficult for them, as not only is child going to be distraught and wail like a banshee. Endlessly for days, but how exactly to broach the subject, and what is next? What exactly does going forward look like? Well, here is where the diversity in the horse world really comes alive, because the future is so open and fraught with unknowns. Now, perhaps. You may be particularly inspired by one aspect of equestrianism. Are you totally into one facet? Then, if so, it would seem sensible to follow that path with an appropriate new partner. But what if there are more than one facets that appeal to you? The obvious being following a sport, show jumping, dressage, eventing. Do you have the time, the inclination, and the skill to follow that journey through, or does that just seem way too daunting, and you would rather just dabble a bit in a leisurely way? Are you uncertain of exactly where you want to go in the next part of your journey? Is there not that much variety available to you, or perhaps even the opposite—an abundance of variety? And you cannot choose. There is at this point in time so much to consider, and also this is where the social scene really comes into play. You see, it's the social scene that surrounds horses that creates the competitions, the outings, the furthering of personal goals, and the training, the desire perhaps to be selected for teams and the like. One finds oneself not so much at a crossroads, but more of a huge multi-directional intersection. Ah, where to go? Which way? And how exactly to find your perfect, appropriate, four-legged new partner? But perhaps you're like me. 
predisposed to making rather odd choices and inspired so much by variety of the equestrian kind. If that's the case, then it's actually a little bit like being a, in a sweetie shop of horses where you are told you can only have one. So, for me, parents opted for the element of surprise. Sudden and out of the blue, mother said, he's too small for you. You need a bigger pony now. Great, I thought. How exciting. A new one for me. Oh, then she added, but I had not foreseen a but. It went like this. We cannot keep two. You have school and activities, so there is not time. So, Tutankhamun will have to go to a new home. Stunned, stunned at the words from Mother's mouth. <gasps> Briefly, that is not what will happen. Well, he can't go anywhere. He'll just be a nightmare. So we'll just have to keep him. What is she thinking? Has she lost her mind in the depths of her huge handbag? <gasps> that thought held back the banshee wailing and my tears for about mm, a minute. Then my floodgates opened. <gasps> I was then, when I had calmed down, explained the logic of this situation, the sense behind this horrific news. You see, ponies that are outgrown do become limited in what they can do with us going forward. I had, in fact, on several occasions, actually knocked the top rail off a jump or two with my feet while my pony went clear underneath me. It was I that incurred the faults. You see, you can pull your stirrups up only so far because the balance between you then becomes all wrong and it is inhibiting. Therefore, as both parents said, he, Tutankhamun, could go on and have a great future with other smaller children, doing what he loved and giving them the opportunity to have all the opportunities that I had had with him. So it was really considered as best for him, an act of generosity to give something so loved and special to another. Much as I fought the concept in my head, I couldn't actually help but feel that it slightly made sense in a small way, if, and only if, it actually was what was best for him. Now, you may think that after all we had been through, and the fact that I wanted to park my butt on any horse I could find, that I was now super brave. Well, actually, it transpired not to be so. For what reason exactly? I don't know. I wonder if it's that subconscious excitement that perhaps turns to doubt because it's a new partnership, perhaps because it's change, and perhaps because it's so important that it be right. Or maybe it was just me. I don't know. Anyway, parents adopted for the path of least resistance. 
probably to save their eardrums. I think they said they would buy new, then sell Tutankhamun. Aha! Perhaps, maybe, maybe once we had two, he might not actually have to go at all. Time would tell. And so the search began. The search for what, though, and who. The key things, the pointers, that baseline. They were considered at the time, jumping, and size primarily. I think that was sort of the overview. But it was interesting because there was not actually a huge availability. Size seemed to be the biggest issue. We thought fourteen hands, fourteen two, was desired, but funnily enough. There were not too many available. You see, we were in Germany, and yes, there are ponies, reams of them, but all about thirteen hands and thirteen two. There were very expensive, fancy dressage ponies of around fourteen hands, or then horses. So, why not follow the theme of Gudrun and Sandy, a perfect living example of how well that can work? With the right horse, well, I think perhaps it was probably our English thing, that traditional thing that we do, where children start on small ponies, then progress to bigger ponies, and then bigger ponies, and then finally horses. Each one is considered a stepping stone to the next, and it is very true that ponies are different in their mentality. From horses, and in our culture, we see great benefit in putting the two together: children and ponies. Also, reliable, safe ponies are terribly sought after, and most often do not even reach the open market to sell. They sell through word of mouth. They are loved and valued for what they do, how much they can look after and teach a child. So consequently, good homes are in abundance. But in Germany, the culture is different. So, in the search, where does one look? Patience was needed. But not to worry, I still had my beloved Juden Kamun, and at the saddle club. There were new arrivals, so plenty to keep me occupied. The two new arrivals were cavalry blacks. One quite young, eight years old, a bit young to be retired from service. His name was Yotsman, and the other horse was a bit older, about sixteen. He was retired from service in England. His name, Quovardis. Cavalry blacks are the big black horses that belong to the queen, and are seen guarding Buckingham Palace and on all ceremonial duties, like, for instance, royal weddings. Big, strong black horses that are bred in Ireland. Yotsman was, in fact, a kindred spirit with dear old mouse-munching Olive. He had been a bit naughty, apparently. We never did find out exactly. How naughty, or what exactly he had done, but he was removed from service to the Queen. 
He was so handsome, and he had a very cheeky expression. Another one with brains, and this one with brawn too. He dominated his fieldmates, mostly just by his stance and that mischievous look in his eye. But when he said "move," they moved sharpish. Oh, how exciting! And of course, had to ask, "Can I ride yachtsman?" No, was the emphatic reply. Not now. Not ever. Do not ask again. Oh, okay. I guess that's a no then. <laughs> well, can I ride Quivardus then? Yes, was the answer. Tomorrow. Oh my God, I loved that horse. He was equally as handsome as Yotsman, but he had the most gentle soul. Big and black and strong, but the softest triangular eyes you have ever seen. They gave him a sort of soulful, wise expression, and he was all that. He was wise and kind and sensitive, and so sensible, like an old soul that knew everything and was surprised by nothing. Quivardus and Tutankhamun would have been my forever pair, had I not been twelve years old, and not having my own hole-in-the-wall dispenser. Now, with cavalry blacks, there is no ceremonial need for jumping. They do do some pole work and cavaletti exercises for their fitness and training, but it's not really encouraged too much in their line of work. And in fact, yachtsmen, it transpired, thought the idea quite silly. Far easier to stomp on poles and shatter them into pieces. But Quovardis, what an absolute gentleman! I actually did a hunter trial on him and won by doing very little, nothing in fact, other than steering him. He was just the most gorgeous, gorgeous. Soul. Now you see, enjoying him so much rather flies in the face of the whole choice by size theory. The one, Tutankhamun, is too small for me. The other is far too big for me. Yet both encompass that totally strange, hard to describe thing. Perhaps best described by calling it. Connection, that instant, all-encompassing, special feeling, that feeling that supersedes training and bonding as a process. That connection is the magical. That is the magnetic, and adds another dimension to this fascinating world. It is that magic that defies the logic. And the sensible approach, when looking for a new friend. But a pony had been found—a pony of fourteen one hands high, a German jumping pony, a very striking-looking eight-year-old iron grey gelding called Boy. He too was beginning to be outgrown by his rider. A German boy who had very, very long legs and was growing rapidly. Tall for his age, 
he was moving off ponies and onto horses. Now, my parents were interested, and despite the fact that this pony was expensive, well, what exactly is expensive when you're twelve years old? Who knows? Anyway, it was arranged for them to bring him over for me to try him. And shortly there they were, boy ridden by his boy and his father, in our indoor school. Boy was a very, very smart pony, active and forward, beautifully balanced, and always in a very nice frame. His technique jumping was very correct. Now, here's the weird part, and the part that's actually quite difficult to explain. I didn't want to ride him. There potentially was the opportunity to have a really nice pony with a big future, doing a job that he was very good at and clearly enjoyed. One would think I would leap at the opportunity, but here's what happened: no connection, nothing. As I said, the hardest thing to quantify, that that emptiness defies all logic. Perhaps another one of my bizarre choices. I don't know. I did ride him, but I did not feel any affinity with him at all. He did nothing wrong, but there was something. There was a sort of, oh, hard to describe, like a hardness about him. A hardness and a darkness in his soul. I didn't like it. He was probably one of a handful of horses over the years that I have met, and didn't actually feel very comfortable with at all. It was so, so strange, very difficult to put into words. But I do think some of you will understand what I mean. Probably that was my first real eye opener and a reality check in this world of horses. Someone said, "Oh, just pop him over this little grid." I point blank refused. No, nothing would compel me. No amount of cajoling or telling off would make me jump that pony. In fact, I didn't actually want to be on that pony at all. So. That was the end of that. There was a lot of outside advice given, probably by people thinking that I was just having a crisis of confidence, not certain about this new change. The advice was have him on trial to get to know him and get used to him. No, have him come over for one-to-one -one lessons with him to build my confidence. No. In my wildest dreams, I never thought I would refuse point blank to have a pony, but it happened, and it shocked me. Was it a pre-adolescent phase, or a bigger issue than that? I don't really know, but it was what it was. Now one can always look back and speculate. What would my journey have looked like had I been persuaded? If I had taken another option at that multi-directional intersection of choices, 
if I had accepted this as a personal challenge and dug deep to find answers and work my way through it. I had been in that place with Tutankhamun and came out the other side, but this was something entirely different. No connection, no magic. It was not happening. Now, all in all, it was quite an eerie and alarming concept. Was it something about him? Was it something about me? Or was it something purely about putting the two of us together? I guess we will never know, but whatever it was at the time, the decision to say no was the right decision. It would not have worked. No connection, no magic, but more than that, an overwhelming feeling of distrust from no tangible evidence. And so the search continued. Now, please do let us know if you too have had such a, an experience in your journey. We will, be, we will be back again on Friday for our Friday follow-up and your correspondence. And of course, from next week, we'll be back to our regular Monday and Friday. The specialist topic questions stay open to you all, um, should you wish to put something forward. And we'll also be starting our question and answer slot, also on a Wednesday. And so please do keep an eye out for those episodes. Until then, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, take care. And we will, of course, speak very soon.